0: This episode is brought to you by Poppermost Prince Minimalist Design for a Minimalist Price.
1: You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them.
0: This is Massive
1: Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Hey
0: everybody, welcome back to Massive Late Fee. I am Mark. With me as always is my co host Mike. How you doing, Mike?
1: Not too bad How about yourself Mark
0: Good have had a good week uh, so far uh we've uh we might have uh, some special guests uh, going into the new year. I don't want to uh reveal too much about it, but I've had some discussions with a couple different podcast people and we might have some special guests on the on the show uh you or I or both of us might uh go on their show. I haven't actually talked to Mike about
1: this yet. Just yeah, kind of kind of a surprise on the air.
0: It <laughs> just occurred to me now, but I uh, I had a couple of conversations with some people that I've been talking to on Twitter uh, from other podcasts. Obviously, it's always uh, helpful when we can promote each other's shows. Um...
1: And share information with a co-host. That's good, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, we we try to do that. I'm sure you're cool with all of this. <laughs> um but uh into the uh the news today. Spe- speaking of things that are not cool, um Penny Marshall died today. Sad news there, seventy-five years old, complications from diabetes. Uh I don't know why Wilfred Brimley continues to live <laughs> with it. And Penny Marshall's gotta die, but uh that's the way it is. Um, obviously, she's best known as, uh, well, she's probably best known as a director, but first came to prominence uh, on Laverne and Shirley with Cindy Williams, and then obviously directed Big, A League of Their Own, Awakenings, uh, Jumping Jack Flash with Whoopi Goldberg, that was her, her first one, her first movie that she directed, several other things. Uh, obviously she she will uh be missed do you have any affinity for any of uh penny marshall's films mike
1: um i saw awakenings that was our, it was okay um i i, I do like a league of their own it's a pretty good movie whenever it's on i watch it there's a lot of great lines and stuff i and like
0: it- i like that movie a lot too it's funny um when uh when that movie came out I can't believe I'm gonna tell this story. Um, so I was uh probably around thirteen years old when that uh, when a league of their own came out. And back then this was the age of pay per view for um younger viewers out there that may not be aware of it before we had the internet or on demand or anything like that. We used to be able to rent movies for I, I think it was it's before.
1: it's like on demand that you could just rent it though. Yeah yeah. Really yeah. Same thing.
0: Yeah, you had to pay for it. And they had a league of their own. Um other things that you could rent you, you had to pay for <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's a big change from now you had to pay. But uh um other things that uh that they had that you could pay for were pornography channels and um anyone that uh is around our age probably um who's a man uh who lived in that time always would feel that temptation to uh to rent pornographic films for their own pleasure but,
1: I, I never felt that temptation
0: <laughs> but then they would they, of course the corollary, Mike, is that you knew it would show up on that bill that your parents got, so what to do? Uh, luckily, there was um, a uh, porn parody called The League of Their Moans, and I, ass- <laughs> I assumed that that title would be close enough that my parents wouldn't discover it, and I was correct.
1: Nice. How, how closely did it follow the uh, the original?
0: I don't think it... I. I it's hard to remember, but I don't believe that it really followed the plot in any way. I don't think it was on a baseball or anything. I th- what? Yeah, I think it was just basically, um, like, there was almost no narrative to it, if I remember correctly. Uh, maybe, a, a, so, maybe at some point I'll look that movie up.
1: So, people well, we who want to see Rosie O'Donnell, but in a porno. <laughs>
0: oh, God. Oh, but yeah, I like The League of Their Own a lot. Um, the actual movie as well as the pornographic movie. Uh, it was. Uh, I always thought it was. I I like John Levitz a lot. Um, he kind of steals the first part of that film, and uh, and then obviously just goes away. But uh, yeah, and Tom Hanks is great in that movie. But yes. Yeah, so, Hello.
1: Yep. Hey. Yeah. yeah I uh, I just dropped a connection there for the first time. It was me. Okay. I'll just pretend to hear what you said, so we don't have to restart. Yeah, that that Rosie.
0: <laughs> uh, so, um, anyway, uh, moving on with uh, 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 real,
1: real quick question. Yeah, is is Gary Marshall Petty Marshall's older brother or is it her father? Brother. Okay, is he still uh, kicking?
0: No, he he passed away in 2016. Oh. Yeah, she has an older sister. She has an older sister that's still alive, though.
1: Does she direct movies or anything?
0: No, I don't think she's in. I don't think she's in um, the entertainment business at all. I could be wrong, but I, I, I... fuck her.
1: Who cares?
0: <laughs> Penny Marshall was married to uh, Rob Reiner for a period of time.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, not not the best. Not, the not best.
1: an attractive couple there.
0: No. no, I know. I don't think they had any children. Luckily, um, and rest in peace, Penny Marshall. <laughs> rest in peace. Uh, a uh, The Battlestar Galactica uh, movie reboot it seems to be underway now. This is a project they've been trying to get together since 2009. Uh, they now have hired a screenwriter, uh, Jay Basu. Um, I'm not uh, hugely familiar with a lot of his past work but uh, he'll be writing the uh, the screenplay for this movie and the director of red Sparrow Francis Lawrence uh, will sign on signed on to to direct it obviously um the original in 78 was popular Glenn Larson's original night uh, Galactica 80 was not as popular and then in 2004 they did the uh the tv show with um edward james Almos, which was a lot it became a lot more mainstreamly popular what do you think about a uh, battle Battlestar galactica movie mike
1: i cannot wait to not see this one <laughs> yeah i heard good things about the uh the 2004 series but i'm uh, not interested i believe that a uh, dirk benedict was in the original though yeah. is that not correct that
0: is right yep
1: And in the the opening scenes of the uh, A-Team, the opening credits, there's a uh, little reference to it because one of the Cylons walks by him.
0: Oh, really? Yep. I never caught that.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's an exact replica or if it's just very similar, but it is a reference to that, I know that much.
0: Oh, well, speaking of references, uh, I bet there will be a lot of references to the original movie, as Robert Rodriguez won't confirm it but is not denying that he's directing a remake of Escape from New York, John Carpenter's 1981 classic, starring Kurt Russell as Snake Plissken. Apparently, they are thinking of rebooting this. Uh, They already did once in Escape from L.A. It's basically the exact same film. Um, But uh, Robert Rodriguez has had mixed results. Uh, in uh, some of the films that he's directed. Obviously, he's done a lot of uh, pretty good films. He's done a lot of films that I don't like nearly as much. What I, I get why they're doing this, I suppose. They think that this can make money. But it's difficult. I don't know anyone that could replace Kurt Russell as Snake Pliskin. I don't know if there's an actor around right now that has the same kind of charisma that can also play gritty and and still be likable uh like this i don't know what do you think mike excuse
1: me yeah yet another pointless remake i have no idea why they even bother uh pardon me remaking the movie other than you strict cash grab
0: yeah just um just uh re-release this is what i don't understand re-release these films into theaters you still own the rights to them
1: yeah, I don't. I don't know why you wouldn't just that. I mean, they've been doing that a lot lately. Like Elf was in the theaters.
0: Yep, that's right. Yeah, when they re-released Star Wars, it was a huge hit before the uh, the prequels came out. And Escape from New York is the perfect type of movie to re-release in in the same kind of fashion. It's it's one that that benefits at least a little bit from being seen on the big screen.
1: I mean, I've never, I've seen parts of Escape from New York and I saw part of Escape from LA, LA, which was really bad. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, they've been releasing things a lot lately, like Schindler's List also came back not too long ago, but I mean, I mean, I guess there's going to be money in some stretch to remake it. Yeah,
0: I don't know. It's so funny. Like they re, they uh, remade Ben-Hur and that famously bombed. I think a lot of these are starting to bomb now. Um. So, I'm not, I don't know how much longer this will last. Obviously, Hollywood goes in cycles, and, you know, the original, not the original Ben Hur, but the famous Ben Hur, the one that won all the Oscars, was also a remake. They've been doing remakes for a while, not to the degree that they're doing now. But um, I would assume. Even the
1: other great uh, John Carpenter movie, The Thing, is technically a remake.
0: Yeah. Although, you know, it's one of those where that's to me that's kind of how you do a remake you take a, a movie that has some like somewhat of a decent premise that didn't really do well and no one remembers and you're like okay let's let's do this actually right and that's yeah yeah, and that's kind of what he did and to me that's those are good remakes the, those are the kind of movies that you should remake if it has a good premise and they just messed it up but um yeah, they'll take a six like i mean Escape from New York is a good movie and they're just going to remake it for no reason. But speaking of remakes, uh
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Real it, quick. I do like the I do like the uh like the world building in that. Like it's all like a futuristic like, you know, society and like the whole island of Manhattan is a prison. That's just kind of fun.
0: Yeah. Oh, you know, it's funny the first time I ever saw that movie, Escape from New York was in a film class and it was 2 days after 9/11 and
1: hilarious. <laughs>
0: obviously there's um there the twin towers feature in the movie he he, i believe he lands or crash lands uh at the twin towers and then makes his way down um and our our professor told us that uh anyone that didn't want to see the movie because of that didn't have to but uh he was still gonna play it even uh even though the tragedy had had happened um and uh, so I, you know, I I watched it then, um, but yeah, the w- world building is really good in that movie.
1: And uh, one more thing, uh, even though I would, I don't see why you would have to do a remake. You know, I, I think it would be a good uh, a choice to play Snake Liskin, uh, Michael B. Jordan.
0: Oh yeah, okay, I can see that for sure. Yeah, you know, he's,
1: he's definitely a good actor, but I mean, he's also you know charismatic and like he's you know since he's in like you know what the oh, what the hell movie was he just in that came out? Oh, the Black right? Panther. He was like the bad guy oh, in that, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. So he could
1: be, like, you know, like the bad guy and the good guy at the same time, which, you know, the bit, I, the bit I've seen, like, you know, Snake is, like, the classic, like, anti-hero.
0: That's a really good call. I originally, um, anytime I think of charismatic actors, I think of The Rock, um, but I, and he, The Rock is supposed to be doing uh, a Big Trouble in Little China reboot, um, but I uh, I rejected that one immediately because he's too he's too big. His size works against him for a uh, a role yeah. like Snake Pliskin because you know he has to. Snake Pliskin wasn't some invincible. Oh, wait, You
1: mean Jack Burton?
0: No, no. Well, for Jack Burton, I think it worked. For, yeah, for Big Trouble in Little China, for the one that he's actually doing, I think Jack Burton his size is okay for that. Um, and that's like a bit of a goofier role too. So I think that suits him a little better, but for snake, yeah. but for snake Pliskin, uh, you know, if anyone would, would suggest the rock for it, I don't think, um, I don't, uh, his size would work against it to me because, um, pliskin has gotta be kind of vulnerable. You have to be worried about him and the rock is so huge. It seems like, uh, he's almost invincible, but Michael B. Jordan is a great call. I think he would be, uh, I think he would be a very good Snake Plissken. I think that's probably... I don't think they could do better casting than that.
1: No. uh, Cinecheck.
0: But speaking of uh, reboots and remakes, I assume that Netflix is going to have to delve into a lot of those because according to the news source that I'm seeing, Netflix wants to release 90 movies a year with budgets of up to $200 million. To their streaming Orig- original movies, yes.
1: Well, how many? Do you know how many? The, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Do you know how many they release this year?
0: No, I can look that up real quick. That they've been releasing um, a lot, but yeah, they
1: they do do. I mean, I know they don't really show anyone their internal numbers, but I mean, they're they're definitely you know cranking out a lot of material. It's not a lot of it's good too.
0: Yeah, they they do like every it's. Netflix is a little schizophrenic sometimes because I will see um I will see a couple you know a bunch of movies I'm like oh these are really good and then there will be something like uh Bright with <laughs> which they hyped a lot that yeah, I'm that, like
1: that looked really bad yeah. I mean the whole idea of that is not appealing to me but yeah it didn't look good
0: It was not good the the elves are the 1% Do you understand Mike?
1: <laughs> I I don't want to know what that percentage means to you. I know you're a big uh, percent guy. I was talking numbers and, you know, what actually happened. I mean, can you prove it?
0: (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, they, uh, uh, (laughs) that movie was terrible. So, uh, you know, they, um, they released, I can't find, let's see, I can't, I I found something that says the hundred best movies on Netflix. Oh, this is from December. That just, that just means that, uh,
1: yeah, total or whatever. Yeah,
0: let's see.
1: Yeah, I, I mean it'd be hard because I mean if you think I mean if they're about, are they talking about ninety movies or ninety original things because they put out a lot of comedy specials too and if that counts as one they're not as difficult to do as a movie.
0: No, they're talking about ninety original films which is wow. i mean that's a lot of films for any studio to make even some of the the major studios and i think the big difference here is they've been buying a lot of scripts um and kind of producing a lot of uh even or or even you know buying finished films from independent creators that are smaller independent movies uh, and there are some really good ones on there too from smaller independent creators, but uh, a lot of these seem like they really want to get into big blockbustery type movies, type movies, type the types of movies that you would see in theaters, like you know, like Marvel movies or Rampage or you know, like big films like that. Um, and it seems like they want to move into that uh, strata of filmmaking. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand how they make money. <laughs> I mean I know it's uh like Or it's
1: like an Amazon type model where they just hope to expand, you know, so much that you know they'll just eventually go over the tipping point.
0: I guess. I mean that that's probably yeah, that's probably what they're what they're planning on doing. I mean it's ten dollars a month and you know, even with uh I don't know, ten million people, I guess that's that's like a hundred million but still that's only like a hundred million dollars a year. Um, and I say only, but they're talking about making movies that are going to cost $200 million a year and making more than one of them. I just, I don't know, but I know that they're talking about going to, uh, advertising on their, their site too. I I don't think it'll be too long before we see that.
1: Yeah, I guess someone's going to blow your mind here though.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, you said you think there's how many Netflix subscribers do you think there are? Just guess.
0: Uh, I probably let's see, seventy, eighty million,
1: a hundred and seventeen million.
0: <laughs> Jesus, wow!
1: Yeah, that's uh, and I mean you can get more premium packages, but I'm surprised they're still doing so well because there's so many competing services. Like uh, I know Disney's starting one, and I think yeah. Fox is doing one as well. Yep. I think Hulu. I mean Hulu's been around for a while. I think that might be NBC owns
0: it or something like that. Uh Hulu's owned by a few different corporations. Um, I know that, uh, that Fox was one of them. Um, and yeah, they I'm, used
1: to play a lot of Fox, like older, like FX shows like the shield, which is really great.
0: Yep. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there were a few different, uh, corporations that own them. I know Disney owns a uh, certain percentage of it. Now. Like they, Disney will own 30% of it because they got that from Fox. I believe NBC owns uh, part of it. And uh, the Turner Broadcasting System owns part of it as well. Um, but, you know, I think people look at Hulu more for television, I would say. And movie wise, especially original movies, I think they look more yeah. to Amazon and uh, and Netflix. I think Amazon's probably going to be their biggest competition and possibly yeah. uh, the the Disney one as well.
1: Yeah, Disney for sure too.
0: Yeah, Disney Plus which well I think was going to come out late next year. That's going to be a big player because obviously they're going to have the uh well, well Disney owns like 60% of the of all of entertainment. So uh they're going to have a lot of movies at their disposal and TV shows and things like that.
1: Yeah, when he was a child, uh, Kurt Russell tried to stop it, but it just didn't work. That's
0: right. That's right. The uh for for people that uh, that don't remember, uh, that was uh, Disney's last uh, last act in life was to write Kurt Russell's name down. <laughs> maybe Kurt Russell is the Hollywood hangman.
1: I don't. I don't think Disney was hanged.
0: No, I know, but maybe maybe he just got a taste for killing after that, and then uh, and then started uh, hanging everyone that he thought was a uh, threat to him in the business.
1: So what if uh, Kurt Russell's a Hollywood hangman? Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, this is a legend, by the way. <laughs> oh
1: But if either of us hang ourselves, maybe uh look up Mr. Kurt Russell's address.
0: That's right. He's a frequent listener of the show. I hope you're laughing right now, Mr. Russell. Um but uh someone that will be laughing. Oh what a what a what a segue. I'm so proud of oh, no. I'm so proud of myself. Someone who will be laughing is uh the Joker because uh Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie has officially wrapped. Um this is the one directed by Todd Phillips, uh the director of Road Trip and the Hangover movies as well as some other darker uh
1: GG Lane and the Murder Junkies.
0: That's right that's the one i was thinking of and produced by uh martin scorsese uh Joaquin phoenix will play the joker it's supposed to be uh more of a gritty uh like 80s style crime movie that uh is going to have the feel of one of martin scorsese's early 80s films like taxi driver uh something like that that's with a
1: guy who thinks he's a clown
0: yep <laughs> that's that's the uh the thing you know i uh I don't know exactly what this movie is going to be. It's so weird. But uh, it's one of the many Joker projects that are coming up uh, that are not Why? connected to any any other. I don't know. There's like five Joker movies
1: that are... I don't want to see one Joker movie. I don't <laughs> want to see a movie, even if uh, the greatest Joker in the world, Mark Hamill, was in it. I don't want to see any Joker movie.
0: I... um. You know, it's supposed to be an origin story, I guess, and you know, one of the things that people like about the Joker is that his origin is ambiguous, and every time you hear a Joker origin story, like under the red hood or something like that, um, it's one of those things where it's like, well, it might have happened this way, but it might be completely he might have been a uh a mob guy named James or uh named Napier that uh killed his mob boss and uh, became the mob guy.
1: But, I mean, it's 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 no league <laughs> of greatest
0: porno ever, probably. I don't remember. I'm sure I thought so when I was thirteen. Um, but uh, oh this this uh, links in too with uh, sex and pornography. Remember last time we were talking i I can't remember if it was on the podcast or if it was on the audio commentary we did. I think it was on the podcast where um I told you about that. Uh, that instructional videotape that Jason and Justine Bateman made called uh, How Can I Tell If I'm Really In Love? The one with Ted Danson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, uh... I watched it on YouTube. (laughs) And, um... It's... Oh my god, it's so weird. It's almost meta. You You have to watch it at some point. Basically, uh... It stars this guy named Saul Gordon, who was a, a professor and a psychologist who thought that uh, kids shouldn't have sex, basically. They, that people weren't mature enough uh, emotionally or mentally to handle intercourse until they were 18 years or older. And it was meant as a basically an abstinence thing um to go to high schools and I guess Justine Bateman was a fan of his or whatever and she had a hand in producing it and she got um she got her brother to do it. There's a rumor that um Ted Danson did it because he had a ton of unpaid parking tickets for some <laughs> for some reason. And this Doing this counted as a community service, so he, That's
1: funny, because um, that's what you said uh, you thought Justine and Jason Bateman were in it for.
0: Right, but apparently she truly believed in this. It's It was one of those rare uh, things where it was abstinence in a non-religious um, connotation at all. More of a uh, psychological reason for it. And he was worried about uh, oh. the rash of teen pregnancies that occurred in the 80s. But... Um,
1: Which I'm sure statistically don't bear out at all.
0: Right. But um, it's so it's so weird. They go to this high school. They call it University High School. I don't think it actually exists. Um, but they get there's a
1: uh, high school by me called College High School or something like that. Collegiate High School.
0: Oh, weird. But uh, it's like a charter school. But they get uh, they get all these kids together and they talk to them about you know this stuff and and basically Justine Bateman's giving them uh, things to say to put off sex from their boyfriend and. And, uh, Ted Danson is reading from a little black book of things to say to get women to sleep with you. And, uh, and was it a prop? <laughs> I, no, I think it was his actual book, but, um,
1: <laughs> but, number one, I'm Ted Danson.
0: Yeah, that, that usually would have, that probably would have worked in 1986. I'm guessing. Number
1: two, have you heard of a
0: show called Cheers? Right. Number three, do you like money? <laughs> but do you find Woody Harrelson annoying? (laughs) but um uh I guess it was like as a warning like he's reading it out as a you know so women would know what to look out for what the lines were and everything it's but there's so many bizarre things in it there's bizarre musical breaks um there's a uh like every time they're talking to one of the students there are different like drawings that are that they've done um like these weird black and white sketches of people's faces and stuff like that and they'll just slowly start moving from off-screen to on-screen to get close to the face of the person who's talking and it's such a weird like effect it looks like it was done in uh, in effects toaster or whatever it's just so weird um and uh, one of the weirdest things that I found is, uh, and this is all alleged, I have no knowledge of any of this other than what I read, but uh, this guy, Saul Gordon, uh, died in 2000. And there's a memorial to him on the internet. And there's a lot of people that are write right, um, really like positive, good, like, oh, he was so nice and helpful and everything. And then there are several stories from several different, uh, men who were young teenage like well not young teenagers but 17 18 years old at the time uh who claimed that this guy basically sexually assaulted them um so it's all kind of really bizarre like the whole this is our
1: Christmas podcast by the way everybody <laughs>
0: the whole <laughs> the whole the whole video and the whole um the whole story behind everything is super bizarre. Okay, that's
1: pretty weird.
0: But uh, I guess that's a, as good enough uh, place as any to transition into what we're watching. Since I watched that, Mike, what have you uh, been watching? <laughs> what have you been watching this week?
1: I've been watching a lot of the, the show Justified.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm a big fan of Justified.
0: Yeah, you told me about or that re- last week.
1: One of the things I like to do when I'm uh, watching Justified is I uh, call Timothy Oliphant uh, Justified, like that's his character name. <laughs> right. So when I'm watching, it, I can just randomly shout out like, "Ooh, Justified! Just punched that guy in the face."
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it's it uh, makes me laugh. I don't know if anyone else would find it even remotely amusing.
0: I find it amusing. Yeah, I mean the the actor the actor's name is Justified. His character's name is Justified. The show's Justified. It all it's synergy. It all works together. Yeah. Uh, I watched that um, that Adam Sandler comedy special that I think you talked about a couple weeks ago.
1: Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, what'd you think of that? I thought it was really bad. Yeah, there. Um, it was so weird. Like the the setup. Like he would tell like two or three painful one-liners or really short uh jokes and then immediately go into a song it reminded me of a much much worse version of what bo burnham does in his stand-up
1: yeah i, I don't know i've never seen a bo burnham stand-up i've only seen him on the green room if you've ever watched that show Oh uh, like yes i watch those on youtube sometimes with uh and there's like paul,
0: you- paul Prevenza, is that who hosts it
1: yeah, Paul Provenza, that's right. And Gary Shandling and Judd Apatow and Ray Romano are on there with him, I think. Yep. In that episode. Yep. Yeah, I've seen clips of it. It's pretty funny, but I'm just not a you know, I've never gone out of my way to listen to or watch Bo Burnham.
0: My favorite uh my favorite joke on that on that one, I think, comes from Bo Burnham where he's talking about uh Paul Pervenza says, you know, he's talking about Bo Burnham, how young he is, but how like uh kind of um you know, talented he is and everything. And he says, you know, like, who's your favorite comedian or, you know, tell him who your favorite comedian is. And it's this French guy that uh, uses a sock puppet in his act or whatever. And he's like, um, he's like, yeah. So he takes a black sock and he starts to, and uh, I can't remember if it was uh, Ray Romano or somebody was like, Mark Mark Mary, that's right. He's like, Oh, I already, I already don't like it. And (laughs) Burnham just kind of shrugs and goes, okay, so it's a white sock. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good joke. But uh yeah, I I like that show a lot, The Green Room. But yeah, this yeah. this stand up, it was just so it was so bad. It it, it was almost structured like one of his is like his bad movies. Where it was a bunch of you know, like bad comedy, sometimes get, getting into gross stuff. Uh and then at the end uh tries to uh, put on a sappy emotional core to make believe that it was about something. Where he talks about oh. where he talks about Chris yeah. Farley, and then he sings that song about his you know, to his wife.
1: I'd like to circle back to that if we could.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure, a lot of
1: comments about this. Like the entire, uh, the entire, like you said, the entire uh, jokes had the exact same setup. Yep. It was like it was like a like an ancient like Catskillian style of comedy that's like. Only funny to the people who would pay to go to an Adam Sandler concert. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of Adam Sandler. I just think he really gave up like in the mid nineties. Uh you know, he was like making a lot of money off of movies, so he just had no need to develop or even practice as a uh, stand up act anymore.
0: Yeah. Or even, you know, the writing of a lot of his movies, which is which are uh are pretty bad. He's but I'm
1: son of a bitch.
0: But I will say this. He seems like a super nice guy. Um, you know, t- I, uh Tom Wilson, that's his name, the uh, guy that played Biff in Back to the Future, he does this song called The Question Song, and he talks about how, um... You know, all these people asking questions about Back to the Future and stuff like that. And he, it's a pretty funny song that he uh, that he sings about all these, you know, different questions. And yeah, I think I know where are
1: going to go with this. <laughs> and and they,
0: they always say, um, you know, like at the end of each one of the songs, like one of the questions is, who's the nicest celebrity, you know, and he always says Adam Sandler. And then the thing that's funny to me is who's the, uh, who's the meanest or who's like the, the worst or whatever. And he says Gary Busey every single time. So apparently, Gary, so apparently Gary Busey's an asshole. I don't know. Maybe it's not his fault because that I motor, couldn't see that. that motorcycle, <laughs> that motorcycle accident really messed up his brain. Yeah. When did that happen? Do you know? I think it was, uh, the late seventies or early eighties, I believe.
1: Oh, that's funny, because the first movie i have ever seen him in was uh, Under Siege.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: like, he's, like, nutty in that. I just assumed that's how he was. I didn't know he was different at some point until, like, you know, very recently, a few years ago, I found out that he was in the accident.
0: Oh, yeah. Let's see. 88. That's when it happened.
1: Oh, that was right before Point Break, then. I think Point Break's 89. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. I wonder if that was filmed before or after or in the middle of
0: it. Right? Yeah. Like, wouldn't that be
1: crazy? Like, two completely different performances in one movie?
0: Because, I mean, he was and he was a really good act. Like, he was he was very good in the Buddy Holly story. He was a really good actor. Um And then he just kind of... Wouldn't that be
1: insane, though, if they just uh, just kept that footage? Like, uh, <laughs> the, the very first part of the movie, he's like, you know, doing a great job. <laughs> then there's a lot of scenes without Gary Busey. Right. And, and then, then, hey, look who's back, <laughs> Gary Busey. <laughs> uh, you're not supposed to be yelling there, Mr. Busey.
0: <laughs> oh, God. But, uh, but yeah, so Adam Sandler seems like a super nice guy to me, um, and that's all well and good. So, you know, I guess if someone's going to have success with terrible movies, it um, it should at least be a nice guy.
1: Yeah, I mean I wonder if he's just nice so people can't like talk about how terrible his movies are either though. I don't know. Um Like if someone like flew you out like on exotic vacations and bought you like, you know, exotic sports cars and stuff, would you uh would you say in public like, this guy's a terrible comedian?
0: No, of course not. No, I get why uh I get why his friends defend him for sure. Um
1: Yeah, because they want to make free, easy money.
0: Yeah. yeah it's an easy paycheck. And you know, I mean, I'm 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 not opposed to uh, to actors getting paid uh, at all, but uh, no,
1: not at all. Especially like since the majority of them like never make any money ever from
0: acting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and you know, anytime he puts Norm in a movie, I like that uh, that Norm's getting another check. I know, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I know he's just gonna blow it on uh, on poker <laughs> or some kind of uh, or Russian game. Uh, literature. Yeah. But at least he's getting the checks.
1: Yeah, you know, every time you see uh every time you see a Deuce Bigelow two or Deuce Bigelow One on uh Norm's getting a little uh, kickback, so that's good. That's
0: right. But uh yeah, I'm uh, I'm all about financially supporting Norm MacDonald as much as I can. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I mean, in this movie, Adam Sandler, as you mentioned, does a lot of music, but mm-hmm. I mean, ever since I first heard his, you know, albums, he was, he's the original person that I know of to be successful doing that, to play music and, you know, mix it into stand up at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I mean, I assume he did that be- before he was on, you know, SNL in the first place, because when he was on there, he did quite a bit, quite a bit of that, and then, you know, a lot of uh, terrible acts followed after that. Yeah. Fallon.
0: Yep. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and and a lot of the stuff that he wrote, especially early on, was good. He's written he's written some good songs.
1: Yeah, and even on that, they were at least interesting songs, which is you know pretty pretty difficult to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a lot of the the way he would mix structure a lot and like mix like genre. Even like there's a like, futuristic techno, and then there's like you know like a very stripped down acoustic guitar. You know, he's really mixing it up, so it's it's interesting. That's more interesting than the comedic elements to me.
0: Yeah, they were I very agree. They were very bad. Yeah. And most of it was not funny. And then uh and then like I said, he came uh you know, you get to the end of the show and he does the big uh musical tribute to Chris Farley. Um you said you had some things you wanted to say about that.
1: Yeah, that was awful. First it, of all, the lyrics were really bad. Yep. Yeah. It was like, Oh, my boy, like you called him your boy in nineteen ninety two. That's the that's the uh, words you're using. Back right and then the worst part of all and this is just ridiculous there's like a two-minute guitar solo in the middle of that song yeah this one's all about you chris watch me play a solo
0: (laughs) yeah very uh very um eddie van halen there (laughs) but uh
1: (laughs) no not not quite as good
0: guitar solo in every single song he's ever played but um yeah
1: uh the so- Some songs are guitar solos that have uh non guitar solo breaks.
0: <laughs> right. But uh but yeah, the song wasn't good, which, you know, sucks. Um obviously the uh you know the the images behind him, you see those and the, you know, those kind of tug on your heartstrings a little bit um because it's just seeing Chris Farley again. But um yeah, it was just oh it was and it's like it just it felt so like cheap and manipulative to me, and I know they were friends I know they really yeah, yeah, I know they really were friends, and I'm sure that he genuinely misses him, but just and maybe it was because it wasn't a very good song, it just felt really cheap and manipulative to me.
1: You know, I think think that's just what his comedy is like right now. It's like the most obvious, like, you know, like, you know, anyone could think of it, you know, like, bland kind of thing, because that's just what his movies have become. And that's where his sense of humor is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think he meant anything manipulative or cheap about it. That's just how it sounds, because that's how his movies are. They're like, you know, the most like, oh, he's going to get kicked in the nards kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Which is hilarious. I'm not
0: complaining. (laughs) It's unfortunate because... Uh, he's a guy that has talent. Um i he's probably not the funniest guy I've ever seen or anything like that. But you know, combine it with the music and stuff like that, he definitely has to, and he has acting talent too, a lot of acting talent. Um
1: Yeah, I've seen that's my boy.
0: But he just <laughs> but he just doesn't use it very often. Um No he is, does not which is unfortunate.
1: Although I saw a part of Sam, Sandy Wexler. Did you see that one? Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty good. The part I saw, I just kind of stopped watching it.
0: He's really good, and the, there's one on, um, on Netflix called uh, the Meyerowitz Stories. Uh, I think New- yeah,
1: I, I saw that. I haven't seen it uh, though. I've just saw that it existed.
0: He's the the movie is a little uneven to me. I don't love the movie, but his performance is extremely good in it. And you know, one like a movie that I like a lot that he's in is called uh, Rain Over Me, and he's excellent in that movie.
1: Yeah, he just mails it in. If he had a podcast, it would be called Mailing It In with uh, Adam Sandler.
0: <laughs> there would be that giant pause, too. Yeah. Every time as as he tries to think of something clever to say and can't come up with anything. Hey, hey well, <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to Mailing It In with uh, Adam Sandler.
1: <laughs> no, I, I genuinely forgot his name in the middle of the sentence.
0: <laughs> Um, Yeah, I
1: thought that was just, like, really just, like, kind of, like, unnecessary. I mean, I don't know if he put that in there. I don't know why. It's, like, finally 25 years later after my friend dies, I can speak of it. Yeah. In song form. Right. I mean, I'm sure he's talked about that plenty of times before, you know? I just, I, I don't, I mean, it took what was mediocre and made it just, like, unwatchable, really.
0: Yeah, I agree. But, uh moving on with our uh, Christmas uh, theme, we're going to do a Christmas-themed Educating Mike. Okay. Um, So, Mike, I watched what is regarded by some as the worst Christmas movie of all time. Um, I don't know if it's quite that, but I have to say it's not good.
1: Reindeer Games?
0: No, it's called Saving Christmas with Kirk Cameron.
1: Oh, that doesn't sound good.
0: <laughs> so, um, did you
1: ever see the uh, the Left Behind movies?
0: No, I I saw the covers of them, but I haven't actually seen them. I, I saw
1: the first one, and it's 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 not good.
0: Well, to give you a little background on this movie, um basically, Kirk Cameron made it to there. I guess, as he puts it. The movie starts with him sitting in an orgy of Christmas. He's in this giant chair with this huge tree, big stockings hung by a fireplace, a bunch of presents around him, hot cocoa and all this stuff. Um, And he's speaking directly to the camera in kind of vague terms because he won't just come out and say Christians and um, non-Christians or whatever. Um but basically he explains the premise of the film, uh speaking directly to camera, which is always a great way to start your movie. Um and uh
1: I think that's how um how Her Vermone starts.
0: <laughs> so what's gonna happen is there's gonna be uh, some chicks here with the big bazoombas. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> but uh anyway these broads are gonna blow you <laughs> <laughs> so um so he he speaks directly to camera and basically what he's saying is that there are two sides um and they're both wrong there are people that think that um you know christmas should be kept like inside it shouldn't be in the public place we shouldn't say merry christmas blah 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 um and you know the war on Chris- the people that are, that are waging the quote war on Christmas
1: um well, the guy's gotta be like a level like ten Christian to actually have a divide over whether you should celebrate Christmas inside or uh out in the public right
0: and then uh and then the other side is all the Christians that say stuff like Santa Claus and presents and um the tree and everything uh are bad and and taking away from. Um, celebrating Christ, and he's saying both these sides are wrong, and he's going to give you the the real path of why commercialism and uh, giving gifts and and buying stuff are all good and Christian things to do um, all the time. So then we go into some weird like. Uh, it's Santa Claus. It's uh, the original St. Nicholas, I guess. But it's this like weird medieval, almost like uh, Lord of the Rings looking time uh, with this guy walking through the snow. Really long takes of him walking through the snow. This goes on for quite some time before he gets to a uh, a cabin <coughs> and has a drink. And then a little girl comes and tells him that you know he's here. And then we cut to the actual movie. It takes about twenty minutes for the actual movie to start. Um, but we're at a, we're at a Christmas. Oh God,
1: it's like a Dio's video for Holy Diver. <laughs> yeah, got five minute intro of him fighting shit with a sword.
0: But we're at a uh, we're at a Christmas party. Uh, Kirk Cameron's there. It, it's his sister's Christmas party. And um, her husband, whose name is Christian, because subtlety is for, uh, you know, liberals, I guess. <laughs> Hollywood is, Democrats. Is um, is uh, not happy with the Christmas celebration because he's one of these Christian people that thinks that it's, all you know, like Santa Claus is bad and, and all this stuff. Um, so the
1: people that Kirk Cameron thinks are on the extreme side. Right, exactly. <laughs>
0: and so kirk cameron narrates a lot of the movie there's a lot of narration throughout the movie um and he says stuff like um uh that um the uh like uh you know he the christians not enjoying the christmas party he kind of threatens um uh the the guys uh he threatens to beat the guy up basically which seems like a very christian thing fuck? to do. <laughs> yeah, he says it's half joking, but he says to his sister, "You want you want me to break his legs? Is he not treating you right or something like that?" What? And uh, then we go to Christian's point of view, and um, like this horror m- movie music starts to play—this really discordant, terrible music—while um, while he's watching kids running around. <laughs> so it's images of what? of little children running around the Christmas tree, and it's like. Bruh! Okay. Because apparently that's that's evil to him. Um, uh, so uh, Kirk Cameron's talking about the nature of stories and stuff like that. And he says that, you know, uh, we get to write our own stories, basically. And he says, you know, everyone's got a story. Uh, and he, he mentions Uncle Scrooge a couple times. I, I'm pretty sure he means Ebenezer Scrooge. What the fuck? I don't... <laughs> I don't, I don't know if his only exposure to Scrooge is Scrooge McDuck. I think so. From DuckTales. But he calls him Uncle Scrooge a couple times, and he says, even Uncle Scrooge has a story. And I'm thinking, yeah, no shit. It's called A Christmas Carol. That, that whole story is about him and how he changes. It's not about Tiny Tim. Uncle Scrooge. So uh then a black stereotype shows up to oh boy. to speak uh, really rapidly and uh, and stuff about how uh, they're getting rid of crazy sweater days at work and how he wants to uh, organize a march and stuff like that and what? The, and they can't do this to them and he just he speaks in I apologize to the actor if this is how you actually speak, but I don't think it is. He speaks <laughs> in what I would consider a um, a very stereotypical black accent, and in a very like rapid way. Like, just imagine any, um, especially like in the '80s, in any movie where it's like, oh, it's the black guy and he's funny comic relief. That's how he talks. It's very, oh, no. it's very stereotypical. Um, so Christian leaves. Because he can't stand this party anymore. And he goes out to his car. We co- know
1: why he left.
0: <laughs> yeah, why is that?
1: Oh, I don't know. A certain guest, he wasn't defined too friendly. <laughs> he was so Christian that he couldn't be at a party with a person of another race. That's right.
0: But, um... So, uh... Um... He goes out to his car in the driveway to just kind of sit and think. And Kirk Cameron goes to him. And then um, the the bulk of the movie is he and Kirk Cameron having a conversation. And then we cut to something else. And it's basically, the whole movie is basically a sermon. Um, because Christian sits in the car and he says, um, you know, like he starts with uh, like how terrible Christmas is. And it's not celebrating Jesus and everything like that. And, um, and then, uh, you know, he says, oh, the manger and stuff, the nativity scene, it's all, you know, shoved in the corner and everything and all this other stuff is, is, um, you know, way, you know, uh, you know, overshadowing it. And he's like, Christmas trees, you know, why should I have a Christmas tree in my house? Where's that in the Bible? And so Kirk Cameron's like, oh, it's in Genesis. And then he goes on to explain about the tree of knowledge and the tree of life. And he goes into this whole thing kind of, and it's, it's not a convincing argument in any way, but he, he is really going a long way to try to link Christmas trees with the Bible and he does that with he does that with pretty much everything but he talks about uh, christmas trees first and you know he when he finishes um christians like oh my god i never saw it that way and he's like it's okay i didn't see it that way either you know that's why i'm telling you and um and there's the acting is terrible there's a lot of like long pauses um a lot of really terrible dialogue uh and at At one point we cut back into the house, and there's uh, the black guy has found the one other black guy at the party, and they're sitting on the <laughs> they're sitting on the couch. This is one of the weirdest parts of the movie and um the one black guy's like uh we can't let them see us talk, lift your mug up to your mouth so they don't know we're talking, which is what? which is weird uh So he lifts his mug up to his mouth, and then he starts spouting all this conspiracy theory bullshit. But it all, but it all has to do with Christmas stuff. And it's like uh, we we can't say Merry Christmas at work anymore. We're gonna say Happy Holidays. And they're all speaking. They're both speaking really quickly, (laughs) and they're um they're talking about uh, all these different conspiracies. Like, oh, that can't be a coincidence, and stuff like that. It's. It's so weird and out of place. There are so many weird tonal shifts in this movie. And, yeah. and the,
1: I have a theory that I'm working on for this movie that I'll tell you at the end.
0: And then we cut back to uh, Kirk Cameron and Christian in the car. And he's like, you know, Santa Claus isn't in the Bible and everything. And as soon as he says this, I'm thinking, St. Nicholas, like, what... I mean, obviously, St. Nicholas isn't in the Bible because he came after the Bible. But, um, like, what, what... Who doesn't know that Saint Nicholas is a is a guy, was a real person, you know, like or at least allegedly a real person. Like, I think
1: I can guess who doesn't know that.
0: But uh, but anyway, so. So he's like, oh, he's not in the Bible, he's not in the Bible. So he's like, oh, you know, St. Nicholas was a guy. So then he goes through the whole story of St. Nicholas and how he was uh, um, a baron and how uh, he got a bunch of money when his parents died, and he was famously nice to orphans and the poor and stuff like that. And um, on the celebration of Jesus' birthday, he would go and and deliver uh, gifts to needy children and, and things like that. And he was kind of celebrated for that. And uh, they go into the further um, stories about him, uh, like uh, the role he played at the uh, Council of Nicaea um, and everything when uh, the Bible was being discussed and they were deciding whether or not uh, Christians would believe that Jesus was actually the Son of God or just a guy and, and all this stuff was kind of decided upon. And he was a big proponent of uh, Jesus being... Deified basically. Um, so Kirk Cameron uses that to basically say, Hey, this guy was, um, this guy was like a badass, you know, and stuff. And they, they, uh, <laughs> and he actually says that, you know, he's like, he's like, he was a bad dude, you know, and stuff. And, and, and they play, <laughs> they play this like hyped up, um, uh, action movie music, and there's a bunch of like slow motion of uh, Saint Nicholas and everything. There's so much slow motion; it looks like it was directed by Zack Snyder. <laughs> but
1: um, they only had sixty minutes worth of footage, but they needed ninety minutes worth of film. Mm-hmm.
0: But he um basically he talks about how he like uh, he argued against this one um, bishop who didn't want Jesus to be deified, and that he wrapped him on the cheek or something like that. Um, and, uh, yeah. So then, uh, after that, um, he, uh, he's like, oh my God, you know, like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't understand any of this before. So he finally gets that all the stuff is, uh, that they, that we use to celebrate Christmas really is Christian. So he bursts back into the house and uh slides across the floor for some reason he like runs in dives and slides across the floor like right like right in front of the christmas tree um kirk cameron's voiceover is basically like look at the presents and look how they look like a cityscape uh that's uh the city of uh, the the reformed city of jerusalem the true holy land for all christians <laughs> it's a, like he goes into this big you know thing about that um and then um and then it ends in a hip hop dance number oh no christian says that he uh he um choreographed a hip hop dance to show how much he loves christmas now and uh they all chore- they all dance this choreographed hip hop song that uh the token black guy is playing on his uh, laptop computer and wow. And it's to the uh, to a like a like a hip hop remix of "Angels We Have Heard on High," um, and that is the end of Saving Christmas with Kirk Cameron. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, what is your theory wow. on this movie?
1: Okay, Kirk Cameron was at church one day, and the t- t- preacher gave a sermon on you know like the origins of Christmas uh, and how it you know goes with the Bible. Mm. So, Kirk Cameron then wrote a play based on the sermon, which he showed the preacher. The preacher's like, oh, that's real good, Kirk. But, you know, he's not this rich guy, so he put on, like, a play.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That was that was this movie. And then he liked the play so much, he's like, ah, fuck it. I could finance a movie. Come on, guys.
0: Yeah. That makes sense to me. It almost, like, I almost wonder if Kirk Cameron f- was feeling guilty of, like, uh, you know, uh, like how extravagantly he was celebrating Christmas, and how many presents his kids got, and stuff like that. And he was like, uh, "I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna justify this
1: <laughs> right. to the world." He is uh, his sister's Candace Cameron right? Yeah. Is she all like super religious like he is too? Yes. Huh.
0: She's uh, she's not in it though. The I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure that the. The person that's playing his sister in the movie is not his actual sister.
1: Yeah, that's. I don't know. That's that's a that's an odd tale, Kirk Cameron.
0: Yeah, it's a really really bad movie. Like I said, I don't know if it's the worst movie. Yeah, that left behind seen, but... wasn't very good. Oh god! But I'll tell you something that is good, Mike, and oh. that is our sponsor this week. There we go. We are sponsored by poppermost prints this week uh as as I like to say Poppermost prints are uh minimalist uh artistic prints at a minimalist price I know uh you've uh, been perusing this so have i um the like it looks like they're all their their prints are twelve dollars which is <clears throat> that,
1: that's for the basic size but you can get really big ones you know but obviously you have to pay more
0: right um and they've got you know especially for Christmas and these make a great Christmas gift they've got uh, a bunch of different Christmas selections um uh they've got a few different Christmas story ones with the the rabbit costume and um and uh, Ralphie's glasses they've got It's a Wonderful Life Christmas Vacation they've got a few different ones of that Miracle on 34th Street Elf um and and you know for the non non Christmas season they also have um, you know just great I, I like well, the one I like a lot is the um, is the uh, well my wife loves the Pulp Fiction one but I like the uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off one a lot
1: yeah I, th- I thought you'd like that one
0: yeah that uh, and there they you, you have to check out poppermostprints dot com and and take a look at some of these. Uh, some of these designs, they're they're very yeah,
1: They have they have uh TV shows and music too. Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah, they have different like there's a Michael Jackson one I think. Um there's a different t- a few different TV show ones. There... There's
1: two separate Golden Girls ones which I am a big fan of.
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm actually going to buy one of those um the Golden Girl ones. Uh I'm getting a uh I'm getting the Ferris Bueller's Day Off one. Um already but uh but yeah they uh and and anything that you don't see in the store if you have um if you have an idea for something that uh that you want you know you can uh, email them and they will uh you know they'll work with you and if it's something they can do they will uh they will create it for you and they they do most most anything you can think of that they'd be able to do the seinfeld one is also uh one i like a lot too
1: yeah i'm not a fan of that show
0: um but yeah, they have stranger things, you know they have Mr. Bean um, house, but uh, yeah, they and I love the the minimalist style of the prints. like I said, go to uh, poppermostprints.com, take a look at their website, tell uh, tell them we sent you uh, order one for someone for Christmas, uh, especially you know the Christmas ones are big at this time of year. Uh, but poppermostprints.com, com you cannot you cannot beat them. And uh, you know they're just great uh, decorations for the wall. If you're a movie lover, you will absolutely love these prints.
1: Is there a code for this mark, or do they just tell them that uh, we sent them? We no, sent
0: them, no, right? we don't. We don't have a code. They can just uh, they can just tell tell them that uh, we sent them. Uh, that
1: works for me. Hey, if you could get a uh, a poppermost print, what would you rather have uh, Saving Christmas or League of Mones? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, i That's a hard call because uh I, Is it Mark? I would love to see I would love to see what they would do with a leak of their modes, <laughs> <their laughs> How they would how they would minimally minimalistly render that. That would be uh that would be something else. There's
1: another uh, great title uh called Taco Bells, but the bells were spelled B E L L E S.
0: Mhm. Was that was that a uh was that a uh, X-rated film, too?
1: Uh, yes, it was. And kind of racist in the title.
0: Yeah, a little bit. My, uh, my sister and I used to go through the TV guide, which used to uh, come to our houses, everybody who's younger than us out there. Uh, that would tell you what was on television um, and what time. But we used to go through that uh at the uh, end of it there was always the uh, x-rated stuff and my sister and i would go through and laugh at all the different titles um <laughs> the uh I'm trying to think of some of them. i remember i remember one from like it just will never leave my brain but uh the movie bugsy uh with um was popular at the time with Annette Bening and Warren Beatty where he played yeah. the mobster bugsy Siegel. and uh, the porn parody version of that was jugsy <laughs> Uh but moving from smut into wholesomeness at least mostly <laughs> um today today we're talking about our favorite christmas movies it is the holiday season the christmas season just so you don't think there's a war on christmas um and uh
1: Oh, you know what? Uh, real quick. Yeah. During the saving Christmas section, I thought it'd be kind of funny if we wrote a, a screenplay called The War on Christmas. Like it was like an obvious parody of the concept of such a thing mm-hmm. and tried to sell it to Kirk Cameron.
0: Oh, oh, that's a good idea. I
1: bet he buy Quick it. Quick cash. Quick oh, cash.
0: That's right. But uh, so we're going to be talking about our favorite Christmas movies. Uh, next week, just for uh, a little cleanup for everybody, so everyone knows, next week we will not be live but uh, cuz our show is going to come out 2 days after Christmas the 27th next week but we will have a clip show a best of end of the year um thing for everybody so uh you know you can enjoy that at your leisure and then uh the next week we will be back with uh with more regularly scheduled programming um the uh I'll 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 kind of start out by saying this Mike uh I took a poll on uh Twitter for uh, favorite Christmas movie, and I I left it up to I, I you can make four choices, so I I put three movies up there and uh, then let people write in below if they had another choice that they wanted to um, to vote in, and the winner of the Christ, of the poll for favorite Christmas movie was uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation.
1: Oh, that's a good one.
0: And I love. I know. I know your wife loves that movie. Um, and uh, that's that's one I like to watch uh, every uh, every Christmas season. Uh, that's that might be my favorite. I, I like that movie a lot. It's certainly um one of the two good National Lampoon's Vacation movies.
1: I thought European Vacation is also good because I'm assuming you're referring to the first one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do like that movie. Um, there's a lot of funny parts. Uh, Randy Quaid, who keyed us all into the uh, Hollywood Hangman and his ilk, is in that movie. He's yep. always funny as uh, Cousin Randy. and Except for when he's not funny as Cousin Randy. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> you know, it's funny because uh, this is one of those movies that when you watch it, um, when you watch it again, like as an adult, you realize there's a... There's some parts of this movie that are not that funny. Like, there's some parts of these, this movie that I just don't remember. Because you remember, there's a lot of good parts in the movie, and you remember all the the good parts as, like, highlights. But then there are some parts, it's like, oh, this is dragging a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, my brain just forgot about these parts because it liked the other parts so much.
1: Yeah. Uh, what were the other ones on the poll? I, I think Die Hard was one, was it not?
0: Yeah, uh, it was uh, Christmas Vacation, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, um, Die Hard, It's a Wonderful Life, and Other. And you know, we got some of the. We got. You know, I've
1: never, I've never even seen Other. <laughs> No, I've actually never seen It's a Wonderful Life, just parts of it.
0: I like that movie a lot, actually. Um, I, I don't know that that's 100% a Christmas movie either, though. Because that's another one of those movies that if you take Christmas out of that, it's still pretty much the same movie. Um, you know, the uh, the guy at the bank steals the money. He, uh, he doesn't have it. He feels depressed. He wants to kill himself. He says, um, you know... Things would have been better off without me. The angel comes and shows him the, how the world would be without him, and then he goes back. It just it takes place over Christmas, but you know it didn't, doesn't necessarily have to be a Christmas movie. But um, I like that movie I, a lot.
1: Like you said, I've never seen it. But is this a ripoff of uh, a Christmas Carol? Um, with Uncle Scrooge.
0: <laughs> it's uh, I no, I, I don't think so. It it's similarly themed. But I wouldn't say it's exactly a ripoff it's it's not like three angels or anything like that. No it's one one angel uh, named Clarence takes him through basically he he wants to kill himself he jumps into this uh, river um, and he gets saved by this angel pulls him out of the river or well, otherwise he would have you know drowned um, and uh, the angel says, um, you know I've got to uh, like turn your life around. That's my mission, so that I can finally get my wings. Um, and you know, he doesn't believe him in everything. And he says, you know, before you jumped, you said you wish you had never been born, or the world would have been better off if you hadn't been born. So I'm going to show you that. So, he, so he takes him around, uh, you know, like, and it's it doesn't it doesn't go to the past, present, or future or, or anything. It takes place all in the present. Um, but it uh, it shows him how how things have changed and like how the world is worse because he wasn't there. And, um, and then eventually at the end of the movie spoilers for a 60 year old film. Um, he says, you know, I want to live again and, and, and everything. And, uh, the angel gets his wings and all the people that he helped in the town throughout the years end up giving him the money that this banker stole from him so that, uh, he doesn't end up going to jail. But, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, there, there are similar themes, but it's um it's definitely different. But that's one that's one that I like a lot. Um, Die Hard got a lot of votes too. Um, some of the interesting ones that we had uh, that people voted on, uh, like Scrooge. That's a movie I like a lot. Um, I don't. I'm not a big fan. I, yeah, there there are a lot of people that don't like this movie, and I get it. Um, but. Uh, I, this is one of those I think like kind of classic eighties Bill Murray movies. Um, I think Bobcat Goldthwait's pretty good in it too, actually. Um, but this is one that's you know, and this is one of those ones that it might be nostalgia glasses because I saw this movie when I was young, so I don't know if I can accurately assess its goodness or badness. But um, but I have a soft spot in my heart for for this movie, and I have seen it somewhat recently. Um,
1: yeah, I'm not a big fan of uh, Bill Murray in general. Really? But- yeah, I, I always people always think it's a weird thing, but I, I can't think of a movie that I feel is improved by him being in it instead of any random person.
0: What about Ghostbusters?
1: Yeah, you could get any any other person. You could have had um, what's his name, um, Egon. The guy who played Egon, played that role, and it would be no different. I don't know about that. What about Ted McGinley? I
0: don't know. Well, yeah, okay. If you put, but see, that's that's cheating. That's like the Soviet. Because if you put Ted McGinley in any movie. It's going to be better.
1: And there won't be a sequel.
0: <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we got Scrooge. We got Gremlins. Uh, yeah, I, the
1: Gremlins is another movie that's definitely, you know, it just has like the setting of Christmas. Though, again, if it weren't for Christmas, would he have gotten uh, his son a uh, mogwai? Yeah. There'd I, be no reason.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I guess it could have been his birthday. But oh, Okay, I get it. But well,
1: really, with any Christmas movie, he could sum out birthday. We all know this. <laughs>
0: but um yeah that's another one that's uh, kind of you know the thing that the thing i think is weird about that there are a few things i i like gremlins but i think there are a few weird things about that movie um first of all there's snow all over the ground now if they can't get wet um how like they they climb through the snow for like 90% of the film the gremlins i don't understand why they're not uh, multiplying one um two uh, there's a part in the movie where Phoebe Cates talks about how her, d- her dad and how he died on Christmas and everything, how he went down the chimney and broke his neck. First of all, your dad was an idiot because <laughs> because he dressed up as Santa and tried to come down the chimney. I-, I don't know why no one was there watching. It's not like they gathered around to watch him do this. So, so surprise them. So like. That's dumb. Um famously you don't famously you don't see Santa Claus. Um and plus it's a grown man trying to climb down a fucking chimney. How would you fit? But she she tells this story while they're desperately on the run from these monsters, um, Zach Galligan's character is uh, is searching the entire time for like uh, some kind of weapon, a phone, some kind of light that he can use or something like that to, uh, to hurt these creatures while she's talking. He cannot seem less interested in this conversation than she's <laughs> pouring her heart out to him. And then, uh, she kind of just ends, she kind of just ends it and it never comes back up again. He never, like, he never says anything like, well, you know, that's okay. You know, I'm going to like, like, I'll take care of you or kind of thing or anything like that. <laughs> um, then, uh, they go to, uh, a theater uh, where all the gremlins are watching uh, Snow White, which I didn't realize was some kind of big Christmas movie. I'd never heard that before, but yeah. uh, I guess. Um, so they're all watching Snow White for some reason. And he goes, do you know where the boiler room is? And she's like, oh, yeah, it's right here. And she lifts up this um, this trap door uh, in the floor and shows him where the boiler room is. Now, she worked at the bar uh, and the bank. In this, uh, in this film. She did not work at the movie theater. Or, I mean, if she did, I guess she just ran the whole fucking town. Um, but, <laughs> but even so, how the hell does she know where that boiler room is? That makes no sense at all. And it's not like it was right there, readily apparent. It was in a trap door in the floor that you had to search to find, but she knew right where that was. <laughs> makes no sense to me at all. Um... But it's still a it's still a good movie. Oh, and the the thing, the biggest thing about that movie, the biggest problem I have with Gremlins, the old man uh, that finds it, the dad, Mr. Peltzer, um, in addition to everyone else in the movie, sees this creature that no one has ever seen before, or, like, they've never seen before. There is no record of it existing anywhere or anything like that. And, um and it sings in like a human voice and instead of being like oh my god what the f- what the hell is that he's just like oh yeah i've been looking for for that thing no you haven't you you've been looking for you've been looking for a, a an animal species that you've never heard of existing to give to your son for Christmas? That was what you that's why you went to Chinatown? Makes no sense. And uh, you know, like Zach Galligan We know
1: why I went to Chinatown.
0: <laughs> Zach Galligan shows it to uh to Corey Feldman, who could not care less that he's got this thing. And it's like that's not how anyone would react. He'd be like, Oh yeah, here's my uh, new pet I got for Christmas. His name is Gizmo, and it's like, oh don't name it. <laughs> you know, kill it. <laughs> what the fuck is it? You know, like, it's clearly something that we've never seen existing before, but everyone just accepts it. It makes no sense.
1: No, it doesn't.
0: Oh, but it's still a good movie somehow. Um, probably because Joe Dante directed it, and I love Joe Dante. But um, yeah, so I guess that covers a few of them. We did a commentary <laughs> for Die Hard. Uh, you can go to Bandcamp uh, dot com. I think it's com or bandcamp.com slash Massive Late Fee, whatever. Um, but I'll link it below. But you can go there and um, and listen to that. We had a lot to say about uh, Die Hard. But um, that's another one that's uh, probably not a Christmas movie, because if you take the Christmas element out of the movie, it's the exact same movie. But um, definitely a good movie, and one that a lot of people like to watch around Christmas uh, kind of like It's a Wonderful Life, which, um, you know, I think is, is you know, anyone that wants to um, watch whatever they want, you know, around Christmas, that's fine with me. But uh, Die Hard's definitely, you can do a lot worse as far as movies that you watch around Christmas time.
1: Yeah, I would uh, definitely agree with that.
0: I'll just recap for anyone, uh, give you a little taste for anyone that wants to go listen to the audio commentary, uh, which you don't have to watch the movie, by the way. You can just listen to the audio commentary if you want. I, I do that sometimes on, on Bandcamp, too.
1: But You should have the movie memorized anyway, so just imagine it.
0: Yeah, exactly. But um, that that is what we require <laughs> of our fan base. You should have every movie that you like memorized. But um, uh, Frank Sinatra was originally offered the role of that of that movie uh because it's based on a book and not to get too far into it but it's based on a book uh the sequel to another book called the detective by uh Roderick Thorpe the the author and Frank Sinatra played that character in the movie the detective in 1968 and in his contract he had right of first refusal um if they ever made a sequel and, you know to that role cuz he wanted to play that role again and he was 73 at the time that die hard uh was being filmed and he wisely and thankfully declined because it would have been a very different movie with Frank Sinatra in the lead
1: yeah that'd be a little different
0: but um let's see so oh oh uh someone mentioned um what's that uh movie called uh, polar express Oh, I haven't seen that. The Tom Hanks Uncanny Valley kind of weird CGI effect movie. My kids like that one. I think it's okay. Um but the 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 effects are off-putting to me. They're too close to reality. But, yeah, it's kind of disturbing but, looking. Yeah, but not quite there. They are deeply in the uncanny valley and um and yeah, it's it's not uh it's a little unpleasant. But um as far as the script and the structure of the movie goes it's a good movie. Uh what what about you do you you have any uh favorites that you like uh, as far as Christmas movies go?
1: Yeah, I can't really say as far as movies but uh, one thing I do like to watch every Christmas is the uh Always Sunny in Philadelphia Christmas special. It's like maybe like 40 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's just like a you know fun like thing to watch around that time. We mentioned Die Hard obviously. Um other than that, I, I mean, I like to watch the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, like, the claymation one, like, once a year, and that's about enough, if not too much. Yeah. Like, it's my, the only one I really enjoyed a lot as a child. Like, I always want to watch that one.
0: Yeah, that was probably um, my favorite one. The weirdest yeah. one, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, my my youngest is uh, starting to get into fr- the Frosty cartoon, but I I never really watched Frosty before. Frosty is just terrible.
0: Yeah. And that's another one that it's, like, it's kind of dark. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah for sure but it's just like it's just not good i I don't care for it
0: yeah like the uh and you know they they stole that hat i mean i'm sorry that was that magician's hat like
1: (laughs) yeah i mean there's i mean clearly it's like the dave Collier thing you know (laughs) they (laughs) think he's being a jerk but if you really look at it they just stole a guy's hat yeah he's a dick but
0: (laughs) yeah they try to play it off like he's the bad guy but it's like that's his hat
1: uh, what's what's messed up is like uh, the guy's a terrible magician, but he accidentally has like a magical hat. He doesn't even he can bring a uh, snowman to life, but yeah. he can't pull a fucking rabbit out of a hat.
0: Yeah. That's how bad of a magician he is. That he has an actual magical item and he still can't make it work.
1: Yeah, he's so bad that he goes so far in the other way that he negates resurrection.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I guess I would be remiss not to mention uh, A Christmas Story. The one famously played on TBS on a loop for 24 hours, Christmas Eve into Christmas Day. Um, That was one of those ones that my family watched a lot when I was a kid. I liked that movie a lot when I was a kid, but my dad destroyed all love I could have of that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Because he just made us watch it so many times. And it's just it's like, you know, when a song um, is popular and it happens to be a song that you like too, like, maybe you got the album, uh, you know, like a few weeks before, uh, you know, they started getting radio play or whatever. And, you know, it's a song that you really like that happens to get a lot of radio play and they just play it over and over and over again. And finally, you're just like, I'm done. I'm so done with this song. That's how I feel about a Christmas story. Yeah,
1: I could see that. I, I've I've never seen it like start to finish the whole way through. I, I don't think it's very amazing. Like I don't understand like the big thrill over it, but yeah, it's I mean, not something I go out of my way, way to watch.
0: You know, it's funny to they made a sequel to that movie. A Christmas story too, with Daniel Stern playing um the old man, the dad character, and some asshole playing uh Ralphie as a oh, okay. as a teenager he's 16 at this point and he wants a car for christmas um and it it plays a lot more like a uh kind of coming of age story the i mean i guess the first one is also somewhat of a coming coming of age story but uh it you know it's more like a teen kind of like classic like almost it should take place in summer like uh coming of age story
1: Gotcha.
0: And, um, it's... Does it's, it
1: take place during Christmas? Oh, you said car for Christmas, so e- yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's really bad. It's a really terrible <laughs> film. Um, and it was released straight to DVD. Uh, even the great Daniel Stern couldn't save it. But, um, another <laughs> that's
1: one... has got a little far. Another
0: one that's only 86 minutes long. But, um, yeah, he, uh, he wants uh, a car and everything, and uh, I, I mean, I can't even really remember the rest of the the the, the oh, like basically, um, it's kind of a rehash of everything that happens in a Christmas story. Um,
1: like, so it's like Cruel Intentions too, but not as good. <laughs> oh god,
0: I remember Cruel Intentions too. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, Flick uh, gets his tongue stuck again and stuff like that i think he gets it stuck in a pneumatic tube or something like that i don't know what yeah it's uh it's not uh even really worth mentioning but um yeah i don't know exactly why a christmas story became a uh a cult classic like it did you know it's it has elements but there are a lot of it has, there are a lot of movies that have similar elements that it has to it, and for some reason, it struck a chord with people. I'm not exactly sure why. It's not really um, anything that we can relate to that much, because I think the story takes place in, like, 1937 or something.
1: Yeah, like I don't that. know. It's It seems like it's in, uh, you know, a long... I don't know. Maybe, is it in the 30s? I, I guess, because it's the guy who wrote it, It's, like, childhood.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I believe it takes place shortly, like, before the outbreak of World War II
1: yeah or I mean there's cars everywhere, but I don't know
0: yeah but uh but yeah, they have no TV, just radio yeah no well, there's
1: a eh, no one knows or cares
0: <laughs> but uh yeah, um, any other Christmas movies that you uh that you want to mention?
1: No, I mean, look, like, I'm not a huge Chris, I'm not a huge Christmas fan either, so <laughs>
0: what's your favorite Christmas movie, do you think? Hmm. Gun to your head, you have to pick one.
1: I mean, I would just say Die Hard, but obviously there's a debate as to whether or not that is a Christmas movie.
0: I can accept Die Hard, though.
1: And that would be it. I mean, that's why I watch. I mean, it's the best of all the Christmas movies, though I haven't seen Save Christmas yet. We yeah. have. Saving Christmas.
0: That's right. Kirk Cameron's Saving so Christmas. I
1: can't, <laughs> I can't roll them all out, but yeah, I, I like that one the most. How about you? I- would it be. Um, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: No, go ahead. What I want to—I want to know what your guess is.
1: No, I was wondering if it was A Wonderful Life.
0: No, I would say probably Christmas Vacation. Um, because I and that's one of those ones where I um, I don't watch it enough to get sick of it. I just kind of like uh, every once in a while. I don't watch it every Christmas, but uh, maybe like every other Christmas, and and usually not uh, any other time besides that. Um, I like It's a Wonderful Life a lot, but um. But I don't love it. I like Jimmy Stewart a lot um
1: yeah, I remember we once played a uh, flag or touch football in front of a Jenny, Jimmy Stewart <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh that's that's a deep cut. no one's gonna know what that means.
1: that was for you stoder. <laughs>
0: Uh I talked to him just the other day actually on Facebook uh Messenger. I wonder if uh he listened to, yeah I wonder if he listens to the show. I told him about it.
1: <laughs> well so that one's for him.
0: Um, but uh yeah, so uh the other one I guess the other one that's big around this time of year is Home Alone.
1: Oh yeah, you know that that's another that's another good point. I, I do like Home Alone.
0: Yeah, the Home Alone is one of those ones where um I like the original movie. I don't like the sequels, really. Um, but... Uh, in
1: spite of the great Daniel Stern being in both.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, God's own treasure, Daniel Stern. But, um... They, uh... They the that one's it's like a dark movie too suddenly the robbers turn murderous for like no reason they came in to yeah. rob the house and then at some point they just get to their breaking point and they just want to fucking murder this kid <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah I like that I like that movie a lot too and that's one I saw in the theater I was probably I guess 10 or 11 when that came out um, but, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure
1: maybe it was ninety two
0: I think it was ninety i'm I think you could be right I don't know but uh yeah that's another good one um and that's that's one of the ones they play a lot on on TV Home alone would be up there for me as well yeah nineteen ninety um another John Hughes movie
1: where the parents are able to afford a giant house and vacation to Paris for 12.
0: Yeah, what does that guy do for a living?
1: Well, he's in Chicago, so he's clearly in the mafia somehow.
0: (laughs) Oh, but uh, that's going to do it for us tonight. Um, I want to wish everybody out there a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Uh, I wished you guys a Happy Hanukkah uh, a couple weeks ago, I think now um whatever Hanukkah was happy Diwali is that
1: yeah yeah I think so
0: and uh there's one more Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa. yeah happy Kwanzaa Uh how the that Kwanzaa lines up
1: with Christmas every time
0: <clears throat> I don't know I don't know what they do it's a movable feast I guess I don't
1: know yeah I, yeah maybe it does I don't know
0: but um yeah we're not experts on religion or Believe whatever you want to believe. We don't care. Um, But, uh, you know, Merry Christmas, everybody. Have a good holiday. Uh, We will see you after the New Year, so have a good New Year. Uh, As always, if you want to contact the show, MassiveLateFee at gmail.com, or you can uh, use the hashtag MassiveLateFee on Twitter. We are uh, at MassiveLateFee on Twitter. MassiveLateFee on Facebook. Uh, Oh, our Patreon. Uh, Our Patreon is uh, patreon.massivelateFee.com and i'll link everything below for everyone that wants to check us out if you want to support the show go to our patreon you can uh, contribute as little as a dollar whatever uh, you know you won't miss uh, but it really helps us out uh, and we definitely appreciate it um thank you again to uh, jason for the uh for the theme song thank you to our sponsor Poppermost Prints go to uh, I'll, I'll link Poppermost Prints below as well but go to poppermostprints.com that's p o p p e r m o s t uh prints.com and uh, check out their uh their minimalist designs they are they are great uh, so big thank you to our sponsor for the week and uh I think that's about it do you have anything else mike
1: uh, no, just uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, all that good stuff.
0: All right, have a great Christmas. We will see you in a couple of weeks. Bye.
1: Later.